0: Philadelphia. Welcome to this episode of the Bank Statement. We're about an hour out of a Sixers sweep by the hands of the Boston Celtics. Never thought when we started the season that we'd be here. I'm joined by Alex AK47calf and I would like to get your thoughts AK on this quote as I've been racking my brain to try to figure out how to take my emotions and convey them today just with all the anger that's inside and I think this quote sums up my feelings, and I'm curious of what your thoughts are. We're in the unique position to contend now, and we think this trade positioned us well for the postseason. Tobias is one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA and possesses an innate ability to impact the game on both ends of the floor, while Boban and Mike provide valuable skill sets, size, and depth to our team. Your thoughts.
1: So you're, we're, we're talking about the, uh, the trade
0: that lost us, uh, Shamit, who's balling right now on TV, as well as Boban. Yep. We're going back to the Tobias trade, because I think in my mind, I'm, I'll give you my thoughts after, but I'm curious your reaction to hearing that um, just off the bat.
1: Yeah. Well, I appreciate you kind of reeling it in. Cause I feel like the hardest thing for both of us to do right now is to just pick a, force of action and to stay uh, mentally engaged into one area there's a lot of frustration right now and it's kind of that mentality where there's almost so much frustration that you're just tired like my brain is tired I, I don't have a much energy to kind of complain or to really vent I'm just kind of over it but I mean yeah the, the a good quote uh, at the time I guess I mean, you know, it makes sense. It put, that was the idea. I guess it just really highlights how much of a failure this is. But to me, you know, you you go back to that with Elton brand. I don't necessarily go back and say, damn, he really missed. I wonder what quotes you can pull out when he signed uh, Tobias for 180 mil. And those would be some ones that I'd like to pick apart.
0: Here's, here's my issue with the quote. And here's kind of where my issue lies with the team. And the reason why I picked up on that one in particular Tobias Harris is about to become the highest played player on the entire Sixers roster next season. If your GM thinks that this guy is one of the best three-point shooters in the entire NBA, how in the hell does he not hit a three-pointer before game four? How does he roll into game four, which by the way, you didn't even have Ben Simmons. Your best primary scoring option is a center outside of him. How does he roll into Game Four with 28 points total? Granted, he had a decent game today and showed some great toughness at the end, but 0 for five from three, 28 games and 28 points in three games. To me, this is less about Tobias Harris. I think Tobias Harris is a capable NBA player. One where if you have a roster that the Sixers had with Jimmy Butler and that type of unit going forward can work. But when your general manager is about to build a franchise around guys like this, and then you couple that in with the Horford trade and his mindset on it is he's the one of the best three point shooters in the league. I'm sorry, Elton. He's not even close. He's not even close to a max player and Al Horford flat out sucks. He flat out sucks. And this team will not Contend for the next couple seasons unless there's something drastic changes at the top. That's my gut reaction. So,
1: (laughs) I mean, dude, you're not wrong. (laughs) You're not wrong at all. Al Horford's garbage. Tobias is garbage too. Everybody on that team sucks except Ben Simmons. And I think we need to kind of break this down today from a couple perspectives. Obviously, I kind of want to break down what happened in this series, Um, and we talked a lot last podcast about where's the major issue if you had to make one change and I think what we've learned over these past couple weeks is that one major change one piece of drastic action is not enough Um, where I'm really frustrated right now more than anything is that it's just like I'm lost I have I have no strategy now because we are in win now but I almost feel like we need to blow it up again I don't want anybody on this team except Joel Embiid on our current roster and Ben Simmons. Those are the only two people I care about. Well, sitting we back for know. two seconds, real quick, about how Shake how bad Shake Milton is and how much minutes we gave him. He's like the He's worst awful. player ever.
0: I texted you in the middle of this game. He's sitting here, he runs down the court and rushes one of the most horrific looking I don't even know what you oh, call it. Oh, to, to try to get that jumper jumpers. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, how what is are you this our doing? team? And you know what? Like, if I had to go back, and I know you just mentioned it, there's not going to be one magic bullet to fix this team. But I wouldn't even make fire Brett. I think that's a given at this point. It's got to be to change. You can't sell the team, right? That's one thing that you can't really change at this point. But Elton's got to well, go. Well, Brett could, I mean, Brett
1: could be fired. Brett might be fired by the time we finish recording this. I mean, 100%. I think he's got till tomorrow at lunchtime at the latest, just for the logistics to be worked out. But the game ended, and I was talking to another buddy. I said. So how long until Brett's fired? And he goes, I don't know, maybe like 20 or 30 minutes. We're a little I mean, past
0: that. He's still not fired. But that's, that's a done deal. He's a talker. They're probably still in the meeting with him, telling him about the past seven years. They're probably sitting there recounting it together. But, yeah, I would, I would imagine that doesn't spill into tomorrow. They're already leaking information about how he's part of the reason why Jimmy didn't come back and the whole thing. And it's a mess, man. I, I don't understand how we got here. We had the most assets in the entire NBA. And we lost to the Boston Celtics a couple years ago, four to one, built this entire team essentially to beat the Boston Celtics is how it felt to me. And now we get swept in 2020 and I get the Ben injury, but this is a team that shouldn't get swept by the Boston Celtics without one player. Like that, that is such a joke. And I don't even know. So what going, into, going
1: into today's game being down 3-0, where, what are your thoughts on the whole idea of, we just got swept versus, you know, I mean, would you feel any different if we won today and just came back and lost in game five? No, I thought to it was been... like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like I, we go down three. I was like, I almost just kind of want it to be over.
0: I thought it was going to be the most Sixers thing ever for them to win the game and prolong it and make us watch one more and you know, the whole <laughs> yeah, for sure. on. so, I mean, it doesn't necessarily make a difference to me. It's just, you could see it. The entire once they got to the bubble, the lack of accountability, the lack of wanting to be there. It felt like at times, like guys like Joe and I'm not gonna rip Joe because I love Joe and he also played his ass off in the series. He played really well, in my opinion, outside of a couple turnovers things like that. But at the end of the day, like he's more, he's more caring about. And I texted you when this happened. His signature shoe comes out, and that night they go on to yeah, play a game, and play. Yeah, you're, you're pissed man.
1: about the shoe. You pissed, pissed about the shoe.
0: So this for everybody timing.
1: who's listening, one of the funniest things um, about the dynamic that Dave and I have with this podcast that we loosely do every couple of weeks is that sometimes if something big comes up and we're talking about it, we, we say, don't talk about it yet. Save it for the pod so that our raw reaction can come out here. So this is one of those nuggets that Dave's been dropping for about the past week and a half where he's been hinting at the fact that he's pissed about the shoe the Under Armour shoe, so can you please give me kind of your, your opinion on, on the shoe? You seem to have a real issue with Joel coming out with this shoe.
0: Yeah, because I'm sitting here, I'm on Instagram, I'm looking at a <laughs> team that's essentially going up in flames. And everywhere I turn around, my guy's sitting here talking about how he's got his new signature shoe, everybody's congratulating him. I'm like, man, we're in the playoffs. We're in the middle of a playoff series. You are Definitely a bizarre time guy. to drop a shoe. Like, and you know what? Maybe Under Armour made him do that. They're like, look, it's the time to do it. We're in the playoffs. He's getting the most exposure now that he's going to get. Like, I don't know what the circumstances are behind it. But it goes, like, to me, it's everything I'm talking about is that there's lack of accountability and lack of leadership, whether it's the coach, whether it's the GM, whether it's the players. You're the guy. You're the one that's out here talking about how you want to beat the Celtics. And you're on Instagram talking about a freaking shoe? Come on, man. Like, you couldn't have waited? It just really rubbed me the wrong way with the timing of it, and it just exemplified all the problems with this team.
1: Yeah, the shoe itself issue. too is like the the shoe is the it's the uh, quintessential Under Armour basketball shoe too. It's like no kid is ever going to buy that shoe. It's not a cool looking shoe.
0: Yeah, the shoe's whack, but you know what is hot? I don't know if you saw um, the post game presser today with him, which was another interesting moment, but. Um, he had a great hoodie on. It was a white Under Armour hoodie. He'd said the process with I think it was his like script. It was a pretty pretty cool hoodie. But yeah, yeah. I, it's yeah. it's just I the timing, that man. Yeah, I'm, I'm all that. Right. If you guys are out there listening, yeah. go check the presser. Cop the hoodie. It's a great hoodie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so talk to you about the presser then, because you made uh, what? What was it? They asked him a question about what, What's wrong with this team? I didn't yeah. catch it. Yeah, I know you caught it. What, what happened?
0: Yeah, essentially, uh, a reporter asked him a pretty – I mean, it's a pretty fair question. It's, you're asking the best player on the basketball team, hey, what went wrong? Was it the coach? Was it the players? Was it injuries? Like, what went wrong with the team? And Joe literally looks at him and he goes, that's a stupid question. Nothing went wrong. I'm paraphrasing this part. He, he literally said that's a stupid question twice. But essentially, nothing went wrong. We just lost. Shots didn't go in. We just lost. Like I say it again, that's a stupid question. And I don't really know what my reaction is to that because obviously the guy's frustrated. And I kind of like the fact that he's not going to throw anybody under the bus because Raul Neto's on the floor in the fourth quarter trying to help this team win. So what the hell's Joe supposed to say? Um, you know, I, clearly, he's frustrated. You saw early on in that game, too. Um, I forget who got beat on a back door, and Joe just throws his arms up. Like, what the hell, dude? Like, help me out. I go to help side. I need somebody. I can't do everything. I can't be everywhere. Yeah. Um, and so he's obviously frustrated, and I kind of appreciate that he wasn't just, like, emotional, off the cuff, like, F this, Joel. You know? I think it's a good Yeah, time. I
1: mean, maybe, maybe he genuinely feels that way. I mean, maybe – and, you know, what's interesting is I've, I've said this in the past. Over the short few years Joel's been in the league – his maturity year over year has been pretty insane. You know, the, from the way he came in, I remember when he was a rookie, and he was just saying things in press conferences where I was just like, "Damn, his his emotional intelligence is non-existent." Like this is the type of guy that's going to get suspended for half a season for doing something crazy. And he moved away from that very quickly. I think he said on one Sports Center interview, like he went to Kansas for the hoes or something like that. I forget.
0: he <laughs> really? That's
1: great but maybe that's where he's at right now. Like maybe he just feels like that's a dumb question. Like nothing went wrong. Maybe he just genuinely feels like, like we feel it's just a bad team. Like, what yeah. do you expect? Like they, you know, they, they played as well as they, he expects them to play. Cause they're a shitty team.
0: Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the frustrating part. And I, the piece with Joe that he struggled doesn't really have anything to do with Joe because I mean, he, he showed up in the series. I mean, yeah, could he have done more? Sure. Of course he could. I think it's a little, when you're top, Whatever he is, player in the league, you, you got to win a game. You know, you have enough talent around you to win a game in the playoffs. Like that's, and I think he would agree with that. I think everybody would agree with that. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to come down on Joe for that. My issue, and I've heard this said by a couple different pundits, I guess you could call them at this point, is you can't have a center as your primary source of offense in today's NBA. And if you look around the league at the coaches of the world and um, several other centers that kind of fit the mold of being top tier nobody's building an offense around them. And if you are, they're not winning. The perimeter offenses are what's winning in the NBA, which is just interesting. It's not to say in my mind, you can't win with Joe, but I think it furthers the point that they need shooting desperately. And that's where I go back to the Elton Brand comment. If he really thought, if Tobias Harris actually was one of the best shooters in the NBA, the Sixers are electric. They're fine without Joe. I mean, without Ben, like they would have, they would have at least made this a six or seven game series. But Tobias Harris is probably a fourth option on a championship quality team. And he's going to be your highest paid player next year. Nobody's going to touch his contract or Al Horford's contract for that matter with a 10-foot pole. And I'm sitting here looking up how to get rid of these guys. I have no clue. I don't even know what team yeah, that's my, would take a salary dump. That's, that,
1: that, that, that's my question is what what possibility exists? Like, Are we literally just going to have to get nothing in return to just get put Al on a team that – you know, has the money to spend and is a is a bad team and can eat the contract.
0: But wait, we I just take
1: you know a low grade player in exchange.
0: Do you know how many years is Al's contract? I'm gonna look this up. I should have looked it up before the show. But if you know, feel free to to jump on it.
1: I definitely know, but I feel like you should you should look it up though because it's it's shame on you for not knowing. But I know yeah, that it. is I definitely that know is it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure yeah. you do. It's a $109 billion
0: dollar deal. Four years. So, I guess my question is <laughs> what, what
1: team is going to be doing in
0: three years? <laughs> what team is going to sign up for three? Because it's not like you have them for one season, like, all right, screw it. You guys are going to give us a pick. We'll take the money off your hands for a season. Like, I don't think there's a team in the NBA in three years that thinks they're not going to be competing. So, like, what are you going to do? Uh, to me, the only thing you can do if you can't get rid of them, it, it kind of points towards, like, do you go into panic mode and say, okay, Maybe he just sucks with Embiid. And if we didn't have Embiid, he could play better without him. And instead of trying to move Ben, you move Joe. But I don't think you do that. I, I don't, there's got to be a way to move him. It's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, that's the ultimate blow up
1: move. Yeah. That's just a second coming of a restart of the process in a much worse way. Like that. But what do you, that
0: but what is do you the do? ultimate
1: panic button.
0: But what do you do? You can get rid of Brett Brown. You could put Phil Jackson. You could put. Um, you know, I, Jay right on the bench as assistant coach. He got no shot. Like, well, I, th- I think enough. what
1: you do is you, is you start at the top and you find someone smarter than you and me who act, who can formalize some type of plan, you know, cause it does, it feels like an impossible plan to, to put our heads around right now. So it, you don't, you don't start with the roster. You start way up the ladder. You fire everybody. You don't first fire the coach, and you don't just get rid of Elton Brand. You get rid of everybody in there who has a say. And you bring in an entirely new staff. And I would be whining and dining Hinky right now. I'd be
0: bringing him back. Yeah. I I mean, you kind of have to. I don't know. I mean, I look at it, too, and I'm like, in the same offseason, Kemba Walker goes and gets signed. How the hell did we not get him instead of Al Horford? Kemba Walker would have been the perfect fit on this team put Ben off the ball, Kemba with the ball in his hands, can score on the perimeter. This team would have been lights out with him and Tobias. Do you there. think like, if you go great. back
1: to that offseason, do you think if you go back to that offseason and we're sitting there and that's an actual realistic possibility, we have a chance and it's something that could happen, Kemba or Tobias, do you think you're this passionately saying, yes, easy move, Kemba's the perfect fit, or do you think you're just saying that right now?
0: Well, I'm saying instead of out. I'm saying you go back, I'm co- like, look, Tobias My Harris, bad. I think is, I think Tobias Harris can be a very pivotal piece on a very good team. a la Andre Iguodala on the Warriors. I don't, I think he's overpaid, but sometimes you got to overpay for guys. I'm like semi okay with it, but I'm not okay with it. If you don't have the third piece already in place. And so to me, it's like, you go back to this offseason, it's either re-sign Jimmy, sign Kemba if you believe Kemba can do it, or just don't do anything. Don't force a move in there that's going to paralyze your team for the next four seasons, three going forward, this past one as well, just because you feel like you have to make a move. Ben Simmons is 23, 24 years old. Joel Embiid's what, 26? Like you have time. You don't have to go force a move right now. Anthony Davis is coming up in a free agency this summer. Do I think he's going to resign in LA? Yeah, but you have a shot. And my thing is too, why is there not a guy like a hanky trying to position this team to go get that big piece? Look at Kevin Durant. He's available. How does Brooklyn get him? And we don't sniff him. We don't even, it's not even like a, it's not even like an option. Instead we're going after the Al Horfords of the world. And it's just,
1: I one think the thought is another. that we had the core. The problem is, is these are easy things to say right now. And you're right. Like what you, what we need is an established person that can build an entire team around. The thought in the beginning of the year was that we had those two people and now just one more season into it and a shortened season at that, we're, you know, it, the proof is in the pudding that it just doesn't work. So where I'm at with this whole thing is that I've learned that I don't, I don't know enough to understand roster moves before they happen because most times I feel pretty good about them. I was pumped when we traded up to get Markel Holtz.
0: Yeah,
1: you me know? Too. I was
0: too. And I'm not now gonna, I'm,
1: today. Markel Fultz is my one A least favorite player in NBA history, right there with one B, Andrew Bynum. Andrew Bynum. Yeah. But again, you don't know these things until you know these things. So that's where I'm at right now is that roster moves. I can't. I, I don't have an opinion on them anymore. I have an opinion that somebody who's actually making the roster moves should be the person that knows more than me, and I feel like
0: that we don't have that. Well, and that's where I think accountability needs to happen because the other frustrating thing is, and I'm not going to rip the team for Markel Fultz because I think sometimes he was a consensus number one pick. Yeah, do I think, to your point, the guy that's running the show should have some sort of a sense that this guy is a nutcase and it's going to just fall Like I don't get how they didn't figure that out before the draft. Um, That blows my mind. But look at Tatum. Josh Richardson sucks sucks too. Oh, yeah, Josh Richardson sucks. But again, on a good team, I think Josh Richardson has a role. But look at what Tatum, to to me, the thing that frustrates me is how much better that guy gets every single season. Jalen Brown, how much better that guy gets every single season. And Ben Simmons is going to come on the floor every single season. We watch like four videos of him just nailing threes, four videos of him just doing amazing things. And then he gets on the floor and him and Joe play the exact same game that they've been playing for the last three years. And the Sixers look like the exact same team without Jimmy Butler. There's no development. Where is that element?
1: There's, there's no development, and that they don't make it work, and the, they put these people who are good on paper on a floor together, and it doesn't work, and there's nobody there that's making it work, and that's where the accountability does go to the players, because you know at a certain point they have to say this is on us because they put them together, but it's an organizational problem. You know, I, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I was like hey about the Patriots? and you think about the dynasty and everything that existed with Tom Brady and how it was him and Belichick. And it's like, you know, people will argue who means more to the team than one versus the other. Well, Tom Brady had many seasons where he went out on injury and whoever in as the backup quarterback was someone at that time who nobody knew who they were. And now they're getting paid another team because if yeah. the organization functions.
0: Well, that's, um, that's something Cowher talks a lot about. I actually don't know if you're a fan of Cowher or not, but he always talks about organizations and which ones are the best in sports. And he uses football a lot. He looks at the Eagles. He looks at teams like the Ravens or um, the Saints or the Patriots. And the stability in those organizations are huge. And I was texting you in the game today. I'm like, I hate to say this because I hate the Celtics. I absolutely cannot stand the Celtics. They're everything I want to be as an organization. They, they just have stability all around. They have competent coaching. They have a mixture of youth with veteran talent. They're a, they're a superstar. I mean, they could make a run this year, but they're a superstar away from being a serious contender in the league. Well, and I think that's Danny Ainge
1: because that, that yeah. was the one thing. When we did do the Fultz trade, when we traded with them, that was the thing in the back of my head that made me very skeptical about it was if it's Danny Ainge that's willing to give up this pick and move back, like, I'm just like, he knows more than all of us. Like, like that's not the guy I'm comfortable making that move against because he's smarter than anybody in our organization. So it's the guys pulling the strings again. It's, and, and that's where I say, you can't, you can't put band-aids on this. And this is the biggest problem right now. This is why I think we are in the worst spot now than we have been in because the process has gone through. We've built the roster. It's bad. It doesn't work. And now there's a million questions to ask on what do you do because you're going to have a lot of the same guys next year. And what I don't want to do is just wait for contracts to end and the players to be like, this place sucks and pull a Jimmy Butler where they just leave. And then they start talking about how bad it was over there. And we know that Ben Simmons shares has Rich Paul as, you know, the day he gets a chance, I you know why wouldn't he go team up with someone? I was like, players control their own destiny in free agency if they want to.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. I agree. I, it'd be fun to do a niche episode one time on what Elton's brand Elton Brand's resume is that got him to power also because to me it kind of feels like the guy just went from being a power forward to the general manager of the Sixers. Really well, sure well, I you're missing know. one.
1: I mean, you're you're missing one critical critical step in his development, which is. Being the, the general manager of the Blue Coats or the 87ers. What? I don't uh, even yes, know he what that was. was. Yeah, that was huge. I think there the was a the Bluecoat. Yes. <laughs> that
0: that yeah. was big for him. I, yeah, I we they got were trying that D League GM. That D League yeah, GM. They were trying, we're trying to pull man. Nick Nurse. They were trying to make some yeah. Nick Nurse magic happen. What do yeah. you, let me ask you this. Let's, uh, and I'm sorry for everybody listening, this has to be a little bit of a fiery episode, but I don't, I don't necessarily have a, a fun bone in me right now. This is just – it's horrific, and and I don't know. The aftermath of this is just going to be even more of a nightmare, I feel like, which is, you know, the bigger problem. Where do you look – when you look at the the league next year, right, everything is the way it is. Where do you put this roster in the East?
1: Uh, Probably the same place we're at now, which is, like, the worst thing ever. You know, people always talk about the Wizards and how that's, like, exactly what you don't want to be, where you build this roster that – you put all your money in, and it doesn't work, and then you just get stuck in this no man's land of like a six seed through a ten seed in the East thing. But that's where we're at. I think we're we're a six seed next year because, and a lot of that also depends on what the shape of the league looks like next year. You know, if we're back to playing true NBA games in arenas, then maybe we're a little better because we win at home. So we got that going for us. If we can at least play at Wells Fargo and we can do that. But yeah, I don't see any moves that make us move up the ladder. Um, And I think we're still going to have the same core. So I I, I think we're the same exact thing next year, which makes me pretty, uh, yeah, I'm not looking forward to it.
0: Well, you know, what's interesting to me about that? It's like we have probably top three duos in the NBA with Joe and Ben. You know, you look at obviously the um, – That's bold. That's bold. I mean, who are your other ones? You got uh, AD and LeBron. You're looking at Luka and Chris Depps, but I don't think they're at that level combined yet. I think Luka obviously Does so your duo is,
1: criteria have to include
0: a perimeter player and a big man? No, I think you could just you have got Because I'd, I'd rather have Westbrook,
1: Harden, PG and Yeah, I think uh, there's a bunch of duos better than these two.
0: I don't know – I don't know if there's a bunch. I don't know about Westbrook and Harden. I think they're close. I think they're close. You could argue that Tatum and Jalen Brown are a better duo. I bet that no way. Come on, dude. Just two players right off the bat? Like, come on. Nah, Tatum and Brown. I mean, Tatum's a great player. I think Brown's just a really solid guy. I don't, think he's, I don't think he's anything special. Ben and Joe are special players. Let's not discount Ben and Joe now. But the sad thing to me yeah. is Brooklyn – Brooklyn's a team that's not even talked about. Like, I like the Sixers next year. Right now, nothing changes. We're probably the fourth best team in our own division. Forget the conference.
1: Because Brooklyn's coming Nets, out. Celtics, and Raptors are in our division,
0: too. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have Bucks and Heat. And, you know, so, like, what are we, the seven seed?
1: Yeah, like, we're that's... lucky. And then you just got to look at other teams that are getting better. You know, Atlanta's on the, on the come up.
0: Yeah, so that's where I'm looking at it. There's got to be a major shakeup here, and I wonder, I wonder who your number one guy to be the coach of the team is next year. If you had to pick one guy that's a realistic guy, could be coaching somewhere else today, could be a guy that's on the shelf right now, um, a la Thibodeau just got signed by the Knicks, somebody like that. Who's your guy that you want to coach the squad next year?
1: So the, the question with that becomes – What style coach does this team need? And when I say that, I put that into two buckets. Do they need a coach that's kind of no BS that comes in and says, you're going to play it my way? I don't care. Do you need a player's coach? And I don't think this team has earned the right to have a player's coach because they don't have player leaders. So I don't know who that coach out there that can kind of come in and dominate the locker room is. I think it's funny that our assistant from last year, uh, who's now running Phoenix, comes in and goes undefeated in the bubble that would have been nice if we had him on the shelf um, he got fired he's didn't. out in
0: phoenix i believe he's out in phoenix i could be wrong on that but i think he's out in Phoenix.
1: yeah i know the answer to that but if you could look that up just because i feel like you should know that that's one of those <laughs> things where it's like you got you need to show up to this podcast prepared so i'm gonna <laughs> you know i'm gonna put that one right back on you um i know the name that's been thrown out a lot is uh tyron luke Okay. I think there's something sacrilegious about putting him in Philly. You know, I just, I just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think he would come in and have just PTSD with this organization and flop because, you know, the, the first game he coaches where AI is sitting there on the sideline. That's just not good for his psyche. Um, but I think people have thrown that name out a lot. I, my ideal guy has always been Brad Stevens. And I know yeah. that you know, now we're just speculating, but, but the same thing is, you know, who knows, maybe Boston goes and gets bounced in this next round and they have a certain standard and we don't know what the politics are like over there. And he's been there seven years. Maybe they say, you know, your time is, has come or we're, we're going to move on from you. And if, if that's possible, then that would be my ideal guy. I just think, you know, he has a history every, since we've ever known who he is of taking what he's got and maximizing the potential on the floor with his teams. So I just really love the way he, he runs a team. I think he's, he's the ultimate. He's the guy I would love to have. I just, you know, again, I don't think that's realistic. So all the guys out there in free agency of coaching, I don't really, I don't really know. I think we're going to end up getting an assistant from another team that there's the guy on the Raptors bench that Nick nurse kind of sat back and let coach a couple games in the bubble um, I think to give him some more publicity so that he could leave and get a head coaching job. So I know a lot of people are hot on him. It also just depends on what other teams are the search for a new head coach as well.
0: Yeah. I'm going to fact check myself on the first part of this, because you're right. I should just come prepared. I was thinking of Alvin Gentry, who fired, not Monty Williams. Um, yeah. So yeah, Monty Williams is still there. I, I agree. Gentry on, on Indiana. Uh, in, on Indiana. Come on, man. On uh, the Pelicans, Bellies. Oh,
1: we're, yeah, but we're, yeah, our yeah, yeah.
0: our head coach knowledge is a little weak right now. Uh, we'll we'll strengthen that up for next time. Yeah, <laughs> but, head coach knowledge has taken a backseat these past. Yes, taken a backseat. You know, <laughs> we'll, we'll polish that up. I think um, I think Ty Lue will get stepped over here. Um, that was that was a little bit of a pun, but I think right. I think he would get walked. I think he get walked all over. I don't know that Ty Lue has shown me enough as a head coach. To show that he can actually hold play. yeah. You like that one? That he can I was, actually I was hold earlier, earlier
1: you said uh, you said, Why don't we do something a la blank and I I, I spent <laughs> about four minutes in my head trying to tie that back to an Allah Abdel Nabi pun, but yeah. I moved on from that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think the <laughs> situation should probably move on from him too, but that's, that's probably another show that we can do on the broadcast.
1: Don't hate on Allah. No, he's the best <sighs> thing. We've, he's
0: the best <laughs> signer we've, we've had in the past five years. He's not my guy, but I think he's all right. He's okay. We'll, I'll uh, tell you we'll, what we'll would make
1: me, I'll tell you what would make me more comfortable. It, um, and again, like, I, I'm in a state of mind right now, and anybody who's listening can know that like, if, I, if I were to sit here and start calling roster and coaching moves, we'd go down a rabbit hole where I don't know if I'd necessarily you – know, what I say today is also what should be the case in two, three, four weeks. What I want to see this team do is get rid of Brett Brown tonight, get rid of Elton Brand tonight. Like, I want to wake up tomorrow and there to be people who have lost their job. And, and that forward, would be yeah. the only thing that could make me feel some semblance of comfort right now is knowing that they're taking this seriously. I'm yeah. going to be pissed if in two months from now, Elton Brandt's still the GM.
0: You know what my ideal scenario is? Like if I had, like I would be jumping out of my shoes, catch me on the next podcast. Like the energy is completely shifted. Elton's gone. Hinky's back. And they've hired Jay Wright as the head coach and lured him out of Villanova. That would be my ideal pie in the sky best case scenario. Um, I don't think either of those moves will happen. The other move that I would like to see, and I think this guy gets, um, he gets slighted a little bit in the NBA is Scott Brooks. I think Scott Brooks is a really solid head coach. Um, He's shown he knows how to develop young talent um, and make talent work together and in a really effective way. Um, And I I really do think he's a really strong guy that could help this organization in the future.
1: uh, I'm not, I'm in on Scott Brooks, too. I like him.
0: What's, uh, what's your lust for Jay Wright? I think Jay Wright brings – you look at what Jay Wright does really well. It's a combination of the two things that you just mentioned. One is he's a little, little bit no-nonsense in the fact that he's, he's the guy that's like, this is how we need to play to win basketball. This is what I expect. This is what I need you to bring day in, day out. But his players also love him. And he's got enough emotional intelligence to bring that side of the equation as well. And when you look at his teams historically, and granted it's college, he's never had the Duke-Kentucky rosters. And my guy is the epitome of consistency. No matter who is on his team, no matter where they are, Villanova brings it every single season. And they bring it in the same uh, level of play. It's not like one season they play a certain style, the next season they look different. They always look the same. They always look the same and they always find a way to make a run in the tournament. And they're always, you never hear any drama. You never hear any issues. And the guys that come from there is really solid, fundamentally sound basketball players. What I think he can bring to the Sixers is an element of he's never had the talent to really show off. I think what he could do with that talent. I think that'd be really cool to see. I think he could bring an element of let's get back to basics a little bit, which I think this team could really use, especially on the defensive end of the floor. And I think he can bring an element of, I am a leader. I'm not Brett Brown. I'm not somebody you can push around. I'm Jay Wright. I left this job. That was probably a better job than the Sixers job to come make this thing work. We're going to do it my way. And I think you yeah. can be a guy that's going to be, you know, it's an
1: interesting take. It's, I mean, it's an interesting thing to, to wrap your head around. I agree. I mean, uh, he's, He's, he's done everything he could want to do at Villanova. So if it's, if it's possible and if it's a thought, I think it's worth the phone call and, and pursuing. I think it's a, an interesting take. I want to I wanna do one more thing on Brett Brown because I feel like this conversation's happening and we don't have to spend too much time on it. But he's gone tomorrow. As, as Philly fans universally, what do we look back on? How do we feel
0: about Brett Brown when we look back on him? Um, I think he's a really, really good guy. I I thank him for being professional throughout this. He just wasn't enough. I don't think we look negatively on him. I don't think we look at him like the Ray Rhodes type where he's lauded for, some, for no reason, but I don't think he's hated. I think he's just a good guy, mediocre coach. He gave us loyalty. He never wavered in that aspect, and I wish him nothing but the best.
1: Yeah, I think you hit it. I think he's uh... – You know, you take it for what it is. I think nobody ever looks back and places all the blame on him. Um, I I think he's just kind of a lovable failure. And you do that because you have to remember the first however many years of his career, he literally was tasked with coaching a team that was openly stating, we're not trying to win, essentially. And, and he made the most out of it. You know, he took guys like Robert Carrington and made them into players. He took bad rosters, and he, he, he gave guys NBA careers that had no business. Like, who knows if T.J. McConnell is getting minutes in Indiana today if it's not for, you know, what Brett Brown did with such a bad team. So you, you give him those types of things. but so, so that's why I don't think anybody ever looks down upon it or anything. Where it gets frustrating is this year and last year when he actually had the players and you actually proved he couldn't, he, he just couldn't do it.
0: Well, I think the interesting thing with Brett Brown though, to your point is how does he develop guys like Rocco and TJ? I mean, I don't know that he develops as much as just kind of give him a career, but how does he develop guys like that? How does he take a locker room where remember when he won his first playoff series, those guys were going nuts. He gives the bell over to JJ Redick. JJ's like, coach, this is your first playoff series win. Joe's freaking out. Everybody loves him to this. To where at the end of this game, Josh Richardson's quote on him on Brett Brown is, he's a good guy, he's a good man, I don't think we had enough accountability this season, and that's part of the problem. How does it go from that, he was such a player's coach, to now I think every one of the the guys in the locker room believes he's the problem.
1: Well, there's an interesting balance, and there's a psychology in the world of management, no matter what career path you're talking about, which is what is that perfect balance of relationships and results? You know, because if you ask your direct reports, your players or your frontline staff, whatever, hey, do you like your boss? That answer could be yes or no for a lot of different reasons. And if you just win and you're the guy that everybody loves because you're the players coach, then yeah, you're going to get that answer. So you're going to have this false perception of being a good coach. But just because people like you doesn't mean you're challenging them. You know? So you go in and everybody hates you personally, but you're doing the right things and you're pulling on the right strings to get them. Like maybe they don't love you, but they'll still say, yeah, he's a great coach because they know that because of you, you're pushing the right string. There's a really dangerous uh, level of going one way on both sides of that spectrum very heavily. You know, if you come in and you drop the hammer and just nobody's motivated to play for you and it doesn't work. And vice versa, if you come in and you're everybody's best friend and then, you know, you have what we have now.
0: Yeah. It's a great, uh, it's a great take. I actually very much appreciate and agree with that. hundred percent. Appreciate 100%. you, Dave. You're a good guy. Thanks AK. You as well. My last, my I last six question for you today. Um, yeah. Actually go ahead and finish, finish your thought.
1: No, I, was, I, I kind of wanted to round it out because I think we owe some of these other teams some credit. And I also just think, you know, you turn on the TV and, and everybody knows it. So we're preaching to the choir here of, of what people know. And we're just here, you know, talking heads. We, we don't know much more than the next guy. And, and if you look at anything on ESPN or anything right now, the storyline is not Boston sweeps and dominates. The storyline is the Sixers crumble. So we all know yeah. what we're dealing with. So I kind of want to round this out, but I want to get the other team. So go ahead and uh, kind, of, kind of get that final take that you have.
0: Yeah. Well, I know – I guess what my – so I had, I had this thought, and I don't know that that was possible. but Because I, I know we've kind of thrown out there, and we'll do a trade pod coming up in the, in the coming weeks here. But what would your thoughts be on trying to get somebody a la – you like that a la again? But, um, yeah, nice. uh, A la Chris Paul a la guy that's like a leader in the locker room on a team that hasn't really given him the tools around him. They're not necessarily looking to win now. They'd probably prefer to be in the lottery next year. Do you think we could lure somebody like that away um, and potentially put Al Horford in the mix as a, a dump piece to a team that you know, might have some cap space or something like that? Obviously, I don't know the numbers. I don't know if they could work out. What are your, what are your thoughts on something like that?
1: So, so, is the question specifically, how do I feel about Chris Paul? Or is the question specifically, what do I think about going after a guy that is a proven leader but also still plays? Because I think that was part of what we justified bringing Hal in with the experience. And that dude doesn't yeah. have a leadership bone and he also just sucks. So, is the question, can we bring in a guy who actually does the two things that we? beamed al could which would show up on the court and show up in the locker room whether it's
0: chris paul or somebody else of that caliber i think it's a little bit of both this is an off-the-cuff question i wasn't planning on asking this i just thought about chris paul and i'm like man the thunder don't care about winning next year they want no part of that actually they're trying to rebuild and blow why do you the say side. that they're balling right now yeah they're balling right now but they also know that they're not they know they're not fit to win if there's one if there's one yeah. situation that's actually more of a heartbreak than the sixers it's the Oklahoma city thunder. There was a point in time. There's a photo. It's actually hilarious. It's James Harden. It's um, Russell Westbrook. It's Kevin Durant. It's Serge Ibaka. It's all these guys. And they had role players and somehow the GM fumbled that squad into a point where they have none of those guys anymore. Like that's, that's a sad situation. Um, Yeah. I think
1: you're, I I think you're a little too hard on them because I think if anything um, it's, it's Presti, right? Presti's a GM over there. I,
0: yeah.
1: I, I think he takes no, uh, no fault on that. You had three superstar players, and you didn't have enough money at the time with the way the league was structured to keep all three. So he kept I'm two. Not... They underperformed. And then KD went running. And, and you put that on KD. You don't put that on him. So if anything, the fact that he's been able to produce a middle-tier playoff team that's competing against Houston right now, the mindset over there is far more positive than it is over here.
0: They're overachieving. Uh, I could not disagree with you more. They might be overachieving now, but there's no way like that. That's, that would be as if I told you, Hey, Joe, Ben, Tatum. And you pick the four. I don't know who the fourth would even be. And uh, uh, what's his name? Spider Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell are all on the same team right now. And in three years, none of them are on the team anymore. And we don't have a chip. We actually only made it to the finals once. Like that would be a disaster. And I, do, I get what you're saying. Like, it's a tough situation. But, like, at the same time, you got to find a way to maximize that window. And he, they just didn't do it. They just yeah, didn't do it.
1: they couldn't, though. They couldn't. So I could not disagree eh. with you more. They, they, the circumstance is not off the GM. The circumstance was the state of the NBA at that time. They had James Harden off the bench. So James Harden was a budding star. Yeah. He was, you know, he was on the come up and he, he was due for a max and they could not give three maxes. And he was number three of those people. And their focus was, we can't keep all three. We want to keep two. And they could have been great if Kevin Durant didn't jump ship. Yeah. And that's not on the team. That's on him. And that's why if you're an OKC fan, I don't think they're saying, yeah, Presti blew this up. I think they're saying we hate Durant and it's a shame we lost Harden, but that's life. That's business.
0: It's an interesting take. Um, it's answer to take. All right, let's move on to the, but to go uh, back t- to your question real quick
1: to go back real quick. Yes. I think yes, it's worth it ball. to go after someone so long as you're not, you know, so long as you can do so in a way where you're doing a one or two year deal, you know, it, enough of these four year, hundred plus million dollar contracts. That's the last thing we
0: need right now. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you hundred uh, percent. Let's move on to a team that we didn't really talk about much last time. Uh, that's the Philadelphia Eagles. Last team to bring us a championship Whoa. in the city. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that was the next one you were going to jump to. All right, cool. I, I threw a little curveball. I, I know how big of a hockey guy you are, so I figured we could save that for the last segment of the show. I don't, you want to do, uh, do our Super Bowl recap take? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, think, I think we're a little too far removed from that. By the way, I want to I make a statement. In my mind, it's very intentional that we're not talking about the Phillies because they are a disgrace to the city of Philadelphia right now. And I'm, I'm all the way out in the Phillies today. Um, I'm just so fed up of watching them blow four nothing leads that it's just we're not going to waste any time talking about them. Um, yeah,
1: they're uh, seven p.m. tonight. They got Atlanta on ESPN, so I'll be I'll be tuning into that just to see what's up. But yeah, they uh, yeah they take a lead every game, and that bullpen blows the lead every game. Yeah, and it's it's bad.
0: If they're up by five runs or fewer in the seventh inning, go. Everybody rush the DraftKings and take the in game bet on their opponent pretty much every night. Um, and you'll, you'll clean up with that. For sure. Uh, but the, the Eagles sure. the Eagles are a couple of weeks in the training camp. I feel like there's not the buzz that there used to be. I don't know if it's coronavirus or what's going on. But I was thinking about it today. I saw Jason Kelsey run on the field with a Kobe Bryant high school jersey to commemorate his birthday. And I was just like, man, this team feels poised. They're kind of being overlooked a little bit right now. They got a quarterback who's also being overlooked right now. They got a couple of young wideouts that look phenomenal early on in training camp by everybody that's there reporting on it, and they got Miles Sanders, who I think is going to be the breakout player in the NBA in the NBA and the NFL this year. What's your What's your gut tell you on the Eagles right now? I mean, I, uh, I
1: we came back and we uh, since the Super Bowl have underperformed with with good rosters, but we're not in a state like the fixers where it's just been chaos we the the roster is there and it's a it's a locker room thing and i think i do believe they have the core guys to be able to do it the draft i'm i'm not a huge college football guy so a lot of the draft picks they made were a little uh skeptical to me and we talked about this draft night when they took the uh the, the speedy receiver uh instead yeah, of the guy from lsu who was on the table yeah so the, some of those things i don't know if i necessarily agree with my big thing honestly right now i don't I don't know. You, we're not here in whole. I, I think they're going to be great if the NFL can find a way to
0: have a season. Well, we are two weeks away. We're two Sundays away from uh, from week one. So I know there's no in-person attendance here. They're playing the Washington football team week one, which that franchise is a joke and that franchise is in disarray. So I know there's no preseason football this year, but that game might as well be as close to a preseason tune-up game as possible. I feel like if every other team has found a way, I think the NFL can. There's only 16 games, um, and I think no if any sport's going to suffer from having no uh, in-stadium in attendance, it's going to be the NFL. I just don't know that that product is going to – I can't imagine what that looks like, you know. You can't kind of create a bubble just, environment well, like this NBA. Yeah, guys.
1: and, well, and there's, no, there's no league that's more built – in a way that's like non-conducive to playing in today's climate than the NFL. Like we saw it where baseball has had some pretty big scares and I'm, you know, they're, they're still making it work week over week and things are working. But the NFL, you you know, the amount of employees that are on staff for a game, the amount of players that are on a roster and in a locker room, like, and if you're going to travel, it's, that is the hardest league of all four to make this thing work. And we're not hearing a whole lot about what the plans are and you're hearing a lot from players about like can you give us some, some details here so we know what, what we're walking into? And right now they're there it seems like they're just acting as like nothing nothing's going on and they're just trying to make it work as business as usual. So that aside, I, I do think there's there's uh, legitimacy to wondering if the NFL season can carry all the way through. But if that is the case. I like our team. I think our team last year was very similar to the Sixers team where we played to our competition always. We played bad teams. We had close games. We played good teams. We had close games. And the problem was we lost a lot of those games. So we underperformed. But in terms of the roster and in terms of the experience that they went through, plus the same people that are on the team from 2017, um, I think we have the right glue. And I think our division is still going to be what it was last year, where it was like, who can be the best of the worst? I think we can, we can actually be good at a crop of, of not so good.
0: I agree with you 100%. So at this point in the preseason, at this point in training camp, given that we're about two weeks out of that opening day, what's the thing you're most excited about with this team? that You're like, yeah, no worries in the world. And what's the thing that you are apprehensive about? A little bit anxious. Yeah, I, I'm,
1: I'm going to give a pretty, you know, uh, common answer here. The thing I'm most excited about is that I think um, I think we are going to have a much more powerful offense. Again, it's not like this, you know, it, it's not about the names on the field and how many big names can you have. It's about how well can they play together. And I love what you said about Miles Sanders. I think I have a version of him this year in year two is a much better player. I think we're just going to have a really good offense. I think there's nobody under more pressure, and you could probably say this every year, than Carson Wentz, though, because he, you know, he, he's been through it to a point where he's always been our guy, and I think we've always leaned on the way he played that Super Bowl year before he went down, but he hasn't really been the same. Um, he throws some bad balls, and I, I do think this is the year where if he shows up and he's not an absolute superstar pro bowler, then that's when the Eagles, you know, we start going into kind of, a, all right, what's, what's the next move? And is the next move uh, Jalen uh, Hurts? Hurt? You know, so I, I think the thing I'm most excited about is I think our offense is going to really start to click. The thing I'm most worried about is I think there's a lot of pressure on Carson Wentz this year to not just show up and play well. I think, he, I think there's a lot of pressure on him to show up and be an MVP candidate.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Because to me, I look at it going into the season, and I don't think there's any way that Carson Wentz ends the season with us saying, is Jalen Hurts the guy? I mean, it's Philly. Philly loves the backup quarterback. We know that. They always have, not even just with Nick Foles, like Jeff Garcia, A.J. Feely. Like, we love that guy. I, just, I don't know if it's because I'm so high on Carson right now. I, my two are both offensive. I think it's the weapons around Carson Wentz get me so fired up, like so fired up. They have two tight ends that I think are absolute studs. Obviously, there's Ertz. I think Goddard can be an absolute stud in this league. And I think when you look at what they've done on the outside, I mean, people have just written off Alshon Jeffrey. Like, I don't really know if everything that happened is true with him leaking at Josina Anderson or not. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey is still a productive wide receiver in this league when he's healthy. You still have him coming off injury. You have Deshaun Jackson coming off injury. And all signs and indications point to the fact that he's going to be just fine this year. You look at the two young guys they brought in with Rager, with – I'm um, high tower with all these pieces that are there coupled in with guys that sh- uh, stood up last year, like Greg Ward. He stepped up out of nowhere and he's a guy that I think can play a consistent role in here. And then you look at the Miles Sanders, the Boston Scots, the guys that are going to be stalwarts in the backfield. I think the offense is poised for a great season. I think the defense is going to be just good. I don't really have any, I don't think they're going to be amazing. I don't think that they're going to be awful. I think they're going to just be good. My concern with the team, the thing that's got me really kind of panicking right now is the offensive line. I don't every day I go on Twitter and I'm reading something about how Dillard's pulled after a rep. And there's just so much uncertainty at left tackle. Brendan Brooks isn't a part of this offensive line anymore. Lane Johnson the past couple of years has shown some signs of getting hurt. So who knows? And what's behind him? There's not much. Jason Kelsey, same deal with getting up there in years. There's just a little bit of uncertainty for me around the offensive line. And to me, if this one can be 85% of what they've been the past couple of years, I think this team's got a shot to not just make a deep run, but I really do think they could come away with another chip. Like this is a very, very well, it was, football ball it, team. It, 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 it was really last
1: year was where it became scary because you remember preseason, they're doing the body issue. You know, yeah. they're, we're, the, they're getting all the love because yeah, the, the, they were the performers and then they flopped. They flopped last year. So I think it – it's less about necessarily the decline and more about a bounce back, which I think is totally possible, which I think is the same for a lot of guys on this team. I think our secondary is in a much better spot. And I think that's been just such a hot topic because we've always had the names and they've always found a way to underperform, but I feel like we're just in a really good spot right now. And this is a testament to how they built this team where we got some good players locked up in contracts at a young age so that we haven't really had to come in each season with a different team. So I think it's all about, you know, certain things like the offensive line needs to bounce back other areas like running back, just need to develop a little Dallas Goddard. If he's even a little bit better. These are all things that can, that can jump up the ladder. The only other outlier that's out there that gets in our way is what's, what's fascinating about the NFL is we could sit here all day and talk about the other teams that could run against us in the NFC. And you know, the first one that comes to mind is Seattle and all these other things. But every single year, there's a team in the NFL that is top tier that was not expected to be. And they become very, you know, it was the 49ers last year. Nobody really across the map was like, yeah, they're, going, they're, they're the heavy Super Bowl pick. And that happens a lot in the NFL. So there's there are other teams that we don't even know right now that are, that are going to have really strong years. So it's not just about, do we compete with new Orleans and do we compete with Seattle? So I just yeah. say that's the only other thing that could get in our way, but I like where we
0: are and especially in our, in our conference. Yeah, no, I agree. What's your uh, parting thoughts for the fans could be about anything in the world today.
1: Uh, you know, I think we've put a lot of energy uh, these past couple of weeks into what I feel is probably the biggest period of letdown in a long time for the Sixers. And really, it's a, it's a, it's a huge bummer to be a part of this team where it seems like every year is a letdown, but we're always the optimistic people. And this is the first time where I feel like we don't have something better to look forward to next year as Sixers fans. So my parting thought would be, you know, keep an eye on not the roster and not who we hire as coach keep an eye on what ownership does with this team because that is what's going to give me comfort in the future is knowing that the opinions that exist with every single Sixers fan across you know across the city and across the country that follows this team is shared with ownership and that we're going to take drastic action so that's where I'm at
0: love that my final thought is to, if you're a Sixers fan, I know this is really tough, especially me. You are emotional on this day. Put the Sixers in the back seat for a minute, and let's let the upcoming weeks just really start to sink in about how exciting it's going to be. We didn't talk a lot at all, actually, today about the Flyers. The Flyers are in a spot where they just finished up their series a couple days ago. We got Game One against the Islanders tomorrow night. Yeah, Carter Hart for the most part played phenomenal for the majority of that last series. And they're playing a team here in the second round that they're better than. A team that throughout the majority of the season just wasn't that good. And they do have a little bit of momentum right now with the Islanders. But this Flyers team is better than them. And if they do find a way to pull out this series, which that's a little bit premature at this point, but if they did, they're one round away from the cup. And this team's got a really awesome goalie. They're still playing really deep hockey. They're starting to come alive on offense. And they're coached really, really, really well. Um, So if you're not on the Flyers bandwagon, get behind them get on that bandwagon and let's start getting fired up for Eagles football, man. That's going to be a really, really great ride this fall. Carson's going to be an MVP candidate. This defense is going to be rock solid all season long. And some of these young players are going to break out and become stars like the shady McCoys, like Deshaun Jackson did back in the day, like Brian Westbrook did for us back in the day. There's some excitement around that part of this offense right now. And really defense as well. Get excited. Let's put the teams that don't deserve our attention on the back seat. Let's focus in on the things that are going to make us really proud Philadelphians moving forward.
1: I love that. I think it's. I think that's totally fair. And and for everybody who's listening, we we appreciate it. You know, we we know there are uh, podcasts out there with smarter people with a larger following than us, and and we're just some talking heads. But we know that you guys are still listening, and we we love the feedback. So if we're not talking enough about a certain team that deserves attention, or or anything along those lines, you know, please, we're going to keep asking, but let us know how we can get better. And uh, eventually one day we will have some music because right now that seems to be the biggest flaw in this podcast is that there's no hype intro or outro music. So uh, I'll do everybody a favor and I won't sing us out this week, but if we can't get that (laughs) together, you might just be getting some freestyles from me in the coming weeks.
0: And also just for the people out there like coming at us for all of our production issues. AK and I are—we have full-time jobs that consume a lot. We both have a relationship. Like it's, yes, there's just a lot going into like life right now. Like, you guys are coming at us like, "Where's the intro music? Like, why don't you guys know NBA coaches and like their families? Like, I mean, come on! Like, there's a little bit of a sense. To, let's give us a little bit of a break here. That's We're cool. trying to get. Yeah, we're getting consistent with this thing. We're growing. With I don't it every know. Week. I don't
1: know if we should take the back off. Take Dave. We've only got like fifteen listeners. I don't know if we should tell eight of them to back off.
0: We're in a position to, to do that. <laughs> the, the listeners would be us and Pogus. Shout out Pogus. Um, Shout out Pogi. We appreciate you, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, Pogi Barra gave us that uh, the love on the iTunes page. Anybody else wants to go throw us some love? Do it. Um, we're down to be the podcast of the people and kind of just keep this, this thing rocking through the next couple of months. Hell yeah,
1: man. All right. Well, it's always good talking to you, Dave, and uh, we'll get back after it soon to everybody else out there. Peace and love. Yes, sir. Talk to you next week.